What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? Valentine's Day, Super Bowl, Sunday, all converging right around the same time. It's going to be a glorious year. Come on, somebody. Like, it doesn't get any, you got football for the guys. I shouldn't say that. Football for the girls, too. Okay. Valentine's for everybody, so it's just good. It's just good. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online right now, and of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus. We love you. We love you there. We love you here. We love you everywhere, and the best way we can show you is by clapping for you. So come on, somebody. Will you clap for that person sitting next to you right now, watching online? We love you. We love you, and uh, just so glad that you're here. Thanks for being a part uh, of our church. It is Super Bowl Sunday today, and... Um, I thought about this right before I came up to preach, but I bought bagels the other day, uh, and uh, I brought them home, and my nine-year-old goes, oh, bagels, we should have those Sunday, because the Rams are going to eat the bangles for breakfast. I was like, I was like, I don't know if you heard that at school, or like, I was like, that's pretty creative. So anyways, how many are you pulling for the Rams at both locations? Anybody just pulling for the Rams? All right. I'm on me pulling for the Bengals. Anybody pulling for the Bengals? <laughs> Anybody pulling for the Chiefs? <laughs> All right. Well, we're here today, and uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be hanging out later, just watching the game. But thank you so much for being here. Next weekend is Vision Weekend, and I'm so stoked about it. Make sure you bring a friend, be here. We're gonna be talking about all that God did last year, as well as looking forward to all that God's gonna do this year and in the coming years. And what a year this year is going to be for some of our church. Um, so many amazing things that God is doing, I, and I cannot wait to tell you about them next weekend. Obviously, the building is huge. The building is such a significant thing. God's going to use that space. And so thank you for praying. Uh, thank you for giving. Man, we've had so many people partner with us on this amazing journey with our forward campaign. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your faith and believing God to go before us. Because I believe this. I believe this with all of my heart, that we, that we are just getting started with what God has called us to do in this area. I really, really believe that. God has done amazing things these last eight and a half years as we moved from Springfield and started this church. Many of you know our story. We'll be telling a little bit of it next weekend. But all that God has done these last eight and a half years, I really believe, is just the springboard for, uh, for what he's going to do in the next weeks and months and years to come. Because God is just getting started. This area more than ever needs to know the hope and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And God wants to use us to do it. And if you believe it, say, I do. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And so... Uh, we're just getting warmed up. So you want to be here. So tell someone next to you, say, hey, you want to be here. Just tell someone next to you, say, hey, you want to be here. You want to be here. Um, and I want to take a minute. I want to thank all the amazing volunteers that we have at our church. And uh, I know that uh, we, from time to time we just honor them. But I'm just so thankful for every host, every kids worker, every production person, every worship team member, every person working behind the scenes making coffee. God bless you, coffee makers. Whew. Where would we be without you? Tired and confused. Um, but I just want to take a minute. Can we just honor all the volunteers here at Summit Park Church? Can you just put your hands together? We love you guys. Thank you so much. I was talking to one of our volunteers 
last week at our welcome party. It was actually after our welcome party, and uh, he, he works with the four-year-olds, and he was telling me a story about my four-year-old. And, uh, and so, and so it, was, it was pretty interesting, and I believed him because I know my four-year-old. Uh, but he started telling me this story, and he, and he says, you know, hey, I, I just want you to know this. You know, it was, it was a while back, but this is kind of funny, but he goes, you know, Eden wasn't putting her shoes on. And so I was like, hey, you need to put your shoes on. And, and she just kept not putting her shoes on. And, and he's like, hey, you really need to put your shoes on. And, and she's just like, no, I'm not going to put my shoes on. And he goes, well, if you don't put your shoes on, I'm going to have to tell your mom. Now, for most kids, like, that's enough to get them to respond. And I want you to know, like, we lead our kids. Like, there's consequences when they don't do what we ask them to do. And so, um, you know, she should be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to step my game up right now. I'm going to focus up. But you know what she says to him? She looks him straight in the eye. She goes, do it. Her name's Jen. <laughs> True. True story. So please pray for the volunteers who have to work with my kids. Um, All right, well, hey, we are wrapping up a series uh, here. We've called Start Fresh, and we've been looking at how, how God wants us to start this year fresh. God wants us to start every year fresh, but more than that, God wants us to start every day fresh. And this is such an encouraging word, and we've been looking at Lamentations chapter 3, and I want to read this verse one more time in our time together. But it is such a powerful verse because it is such an encouraging verse in the midst of this very discouraging book, and God uses it just to show us that he's always doing something new. Lamentations chapter 3, and I want to read the verse before and after it this week. But he says, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have Hope. How many need a little bit of hope? How many know the world needs a little bit of hope today? He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. God's never done being compassionate towards you. He's never going to fail looking at you and giving you the compassion that you need. He says, they are new every morning. It's basically saying, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Basically saying this, that every day is a new day. Every day is a chance to, to start with a clean slate. Not just every day, but every hour. And not just every hour, every second of the day. You have a new chance in Jesus. So it doesn't matter. I want to encourage you with this. It doesn't matter what last year was, this year's the new year. It doesn't matter what last month was, what last week was, what yesterday was, what your drive to church was. Come on, somebody. Today, right now, is a new day. God has something new that he wants to do, and, um, and we're just going to wait on him and experience it. All right, so that's what we've been talking about. And what we've been looking at is the spiritual disciplines, and we often do this at the beginning of the year. We talk about the spiritual disciplines, the things that you do every, every day, every week, regular things that help you stay focused on that and stay connected to that. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about reading the Bible. Uh, so we've called it Start Fresh. So we talked we talk about live fresh and be fresh and eat fresh and refresh. And last week we talked about worship. I didn't even know how to tie that in. So just worship fresh. Um, but today, today we're wrapping it up. Today we're wrapping it up, and we're going to be talking about what do we do? What do we do with all of that freshness once we have it? 
So you start following God. God's doing amazing things in your life. What do you do with it? Because you can't just sit in it. It's kind of like riding a bike. It's kind of like riding a bike. If you just sit on your bike, it's not going to go well for you. Faith is active. you got to do something with the freshness that God is giving. So it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like this. It's like a bucket. If you don't if you don't do something with it, it's just going to seep out, okay? It's like you're pouring water in, and if you don't do something with your faith, it's going to seep out. So you got to sow it out. you got to sow out your faith, and if you sow out your faith, you'll gain so much more back. But if you just sit on your faith, you'll seep it out. So we're going to be talking about seeping or sowing today, okay? Are you a seeper or are you a sower? Now, for new believers, this comes so naturally, right? Have you ever been around a new Christian? Like, aren't they the most fun people to be around? Anybody? You with me, church? Okay. Aren't they the most fun to be? Because, like, you're, you're with them and you're, there's like, man, I prayed and I heard from God and it was amazing. Or they're like, oh, I was reading the Bible, and I felt like God speak to me. It was incredible. Or God's telling me to do this. Or God's telling me to do that. It's just amazing. Or I, I stopped sinning. I stopped doing this thing over here that I've done for years. And I've noticed such a difference. It's incredible. Ah! New believers are so much fun, aren't they? But you know what's interesting? Like seasoned believers, if they're not careful, can become cynical believers. Have you ever, now don't point if you have, okay. But have you ever met a seasoned, cynical believer where they get around a new Christian and they're like, huh, ah, give him time. <laughs> give him time, give him time. A few unanswered prayers, a few discouraging moments, and they'll be as cynical as I am. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. It's possible because, because faith is active. If you just sit in it, you're going to start seeping. But you've got to keep sowing, otherwise you'll be a seeper. One of the things I love, John 10.10, 10, and you know this if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time. I love this verse. I believe this verse. I actually believe this is what God's heart is. Jesus says this. He says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's Jesus. And if that's true, then there's always something new and something more that God is wanting to do in our lives. That's why the, the more we follow Jesus, the more we should be experiencing Jesus, the more excited we should be about Jesus, the more freshness we should have in our relationship with Jesus. That's why I love Pastor Roger. Pastor Roger. Pastor Roger Horn, who uh, came over with the Lee Summit First merger that happened almost a year ago. We're coming up on almost a year of that, which is pretty amazing. And uh, he's not here today because he's on his honeymoon, y'all. So, like, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Um, but I love Pastor Roger because his faith is alive to him. He's been following Jesus for a long, long time. But his faith is very, very alive. He's always talking about what, what God's doing and what he's experiencing. And, 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 I, and I love that. I love seeing people who've been walking with God for a little bit, actually for a lot of bit, for a long time, and their faith is still alive to them. 
But I think what they would tell you and what I've experienced in my own life is it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's, you've got you've to be sowing or otherwise you'll start seeping. You've got to be, you've got to keep this thing active. Otherwise, it's like you're riding a bike uphill. You'll, you'll start sliding down and it'll start get. you'll start getting cynical and you'll start getting critical and you'll start getting focused on yourself. So how do we keep this faith? We got to be a sower, not a seeper. Okay. And so I want to look at John chapter 12, this great passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have your phones, you can pull it up on your phone. We'll have it on the screen as well. But John chapter 12, we've got a seeper and we've got a sower. It's G, it's, uh, Jesus is, is a part of the story, as he always is in the Bible. Um, and then there's Judas and then there's Mary. All right. And, and Judas is the seeper and Mary is the soper. The, nope, sower. John chapter 12. Let's read. If you're ready, jump in say am. All right, let's. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. All right, pause, put a pin in that. Let me give you a little context. Who's Lazarus? He's the guy, Mary and Martha's brother, who Jesus just raised from the dead in chapter 11. The most, probably the most amazing miracle outside of Jesus' own resurrection is Lazarus being resurrected, right? That happens in John chapter 11. So this is right after that, and now they're all hanging out. You know, once he's in the tomb, he's dead, he comes out, and now they're having dinner together. Like, this is pretty amazing. John chapter 12, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So they're, they're thanking him. They're like, wow, that was pretty cool. Our brother was dead, and now he's not. Let's have dinner. Always a good idea. And so Mary served. Well, Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Okay, now let's put a pin in, uh, pin in that. What's, what's happening here? This would be a little bit weird. This happened today while you're watching the Super Bowl, right? Someone just... Starts taking off your shoes, <laughs> taking off your socks, and then, you know, breaks open a, uh, a perfume or a cologne and just puts it, and then starts drying it <laughs> with their hair. A little bit different, right? And it's even, it, now, washing feet was not that different back then. Feet need to be washed because they were very dirty back then. And you guys know, if you've heard me talk about this, you know how I feel about feet, right? It's a personal thing. Like... <laughs> Like, keep your feet to yourself. Keep them covered and keep them away from me. Like, that's kind of my thing. But, but what, what would happen in that day is the feet were very dirty, and they're, and they're reclining at tables. They're, laying, they're basically laying down next to the table, and they, they're eating like this. And so what would happen is the feet are in people's face, and so it's, it's a whole thing. And so a lot of times someone, a servant would wash the feet. A servant washed the feet. But Mary comes, and she says, I don't want to just wash the feet. I want to make his feet smell good. I just want to pour out this perfume and, and pour it all over him. Now, here's what's amazing about this perfume. It says that it was very expensive. We find out that it's in another account that it's actually one year's wages worth of perfume. Everybody say, that's a lot. Come on, at both locations, say, that's a lot. That's a lot of perfume. 
That's a, that's a lot of perfume. That's a lot of money. And so this is probably an heirloom for her. This was an inheritance for her. This was her security in case she never got married. This will be the thing that gets her through her life. And she breaks it open and she pours it out. Now, why, why the perfume? Now, at special events, sometimes what people would do is they would take a drop of perfume and they put it on, on, on the forehead. Because this is a hot, arid climate, right? Hot, arid climate. It's before speed stick. Right, guard? All right, hot, arid climate. No air conditioning. Small space. Do the math, everybody. Guess what? Everybody smells. And so when you would come into a special occasion, they'd put a little bit of perfume right on the top of your forehead. So it would be more pleasant for you as you're smelling, you know, that, that. And it's more pleasant for everybody else who talks to you. So they... She brings out the perfume. Everyone's like, oh, we're going to smell good. And she's like, no, no, this is all for Jesus because you don't know what he did for me. He healed my brother. My brother was dead, and now he's alive, and I'm just going over and above with my expression of gratitude. She's a sower. She's a sower. But next, we have the seeper. Everybody say boo. This is the dastardly Judas. Shows up, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. So, John is telling us what, G, what Judas was really about and what his whole view of this Jesus experience is. It's not about what he can give into it. It's about what he can get out of it. He's not thankful. He's stingy. He's not an extravagant worshiper. He's a greedy consumer. This Jesus thing for Judas really isn't all about Jesus. It's all about Judas. He's got it backwards, right? And the dichotomy couldn't be any more significant. Judas is interested in what he can get. Mary is interested in what she can give. Judas is trying to use Jesus. Mary is interested in using what she has to honor Jesus. That's the difference. She's, she's a sower and he's a seeper. And Jesus says, time out. Look at this, verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. That had to hurt a little bit for Judas. You know, when every time Jesus gets on to you, you know, like that's not a good day. <laughs> Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Burial, what? Now, Jesus has been talking about his death that's coming. And I think Mary kind of knows, like, the time's near. Mary's always paying attention, right? She's always sitting at Jesus' feet. She's always paying special attention. I think Mary knows the time is close. And she's like, if I don't get a chance to say this again, I just want you to know I love you. And boom. And she's actually anointing him for his burial. Now, here's this is very interesting. When you would die in that day, 
they would, an honorable Jewish person, they would take you off, uh, or they would, they would go, it, um, however you died, they would take you to a place, and they would anoint you, and they would cover you with oil, and, and they would give you incense, and it would be, you would smell very good going into the grave. But they didn't do that with Jesus. Because in the manner in which he died on a cross, which was dishonorable, and because they were trying to hurry to get him quickly put into the tomb because of all of the things that were surrounding his death, he didn't get anointed. So here's what's amazing. Think about this for a moment. Mary anoints Jesus. She puts an anointing on him before he goes to do his most significant ministry ever, raising from the dead. And nobody else was going to do it, and yet she does it. It's absolutely amazing. She's preparing him for this. So in a very real sense, she's partnering with the gospel moving forward. That's what's happening. Her gift is partnering with the gospel. Her gift is enabling the gospel to move forward. The redemption of mankind. This is amazing. She's being generous, trying to push the gospel forward, and Judas is being stingy, trying to hold it back. And I think this is where a lot of us find ourselves as well. I, I don't know that it's really, are you a seeper or are you a sower? It's just, there's a scale. There's a seeping scale and there's a sowing scale, and usually we find ourselves somewhere on that scale. If we're moving more towards generosity and more pouring our life out and giving and serving and living wide open, then we're moving towards being a sower. But when we start pulling back and getting stingy, we're moving towards being a seeper. So I want to talk a little bit about, about the, the, the blessing of being a sower. And here's, here's what happened for Mary. Let me just ask you this. Who, who walked away with the freshest experience from that moment? Obviously, G, Jesus gets his feet clean, right? So his feet smelled good for a couple days. But who, who probably had the freshest experience? Mary. Because she literally got that perfume all up in her hair. So can you imagine? She's walking down, like walking that next day, the next day after that, the next day after that, she's still smelling that. And she's thinking about the one who poured his life out for her brother and who would pour his life out for her. Maybe even after the resurrection, she'll catch a whiff of that and be like, oh, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. She had the freshest experience because she was living wide open for God. I want to talk about two people today, the seeper and the sower, all right? Are you a seeper or are you a sower? And there's just two points. Number one is this, seeping leads to losing and sowing leads to blessing, all right? Seeping leads to losing. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be tongue-tied city right here. Seeping leads to losing and sowing leads to blessing, all right? We're going to look at these two things. Before we do, find three people and say, hey, man, are you a seeper or are you a sower? Come on, just ask somebody, are you a seeper or are you a sower? Are you a seeper or are you a sower? Or a soper. All right. Seeping leads to losing. I just want you to think about this in your life. Seeping leads to losing. You know, what happened to Judas? You know, whatever happened to him? 
Was he always a bad apple? You know, growing up in kindergarten, was he always the one who was, you know, pulling girls' hair? Was he always the one who was taking little please kick me notes and sticking them on all of the kids' backs? I did that. <laughs> true story, true story. I, uh, went to, I went to Catholic school uh, for a couple years, and uh, I was one of the most notorious Catholic school kids. And back in the day, I don't know if they still do this, but they would actually hit you with the ruler back in the day. And, um, and so I don't know if that's still around or not. But I, one time, Sister Joselle got on to me. Yeah, that was literally her name, Sister Joselle. So you can imagine how much fun we had with that. Um, but Sister Joselle, she would, take, she would take us and she would smack us with the ruler if we got out of line. And I was always getting smacked. So one time I just said, she said, stick out your hand. I stuck out my hand. I grabbed that ruler and I hit her. I was bad. I was bad. I had issues. Praise God for the grace of God. I spent, true story, I spent more time in the, in the hallway and in the principal's office than I did in the classroom. I found that out later from one of the workers there. They're like, yeah, you were always out there. You were always out there. You never know what God can do. Come on, somebody. Was Judas always a bad seed? I don't know. We don't know, we don't know much about his calling. We know, we know a lot about the other disciples' calling. Um, you, you see Peter when he gets called from fishing. Um, you can see Matthew when he's, when he's called from tax collecting. James and John, they're trying to overthrow the government. You know, they're sons of thunder. And, um, and so Jesus calls them. We don't know, we don't know much about Judas' calling, but we can only imagine. You can only imagine that Judas is doing his own thing, and Jesus comes and says, hey, why don't you be one of my followers? I'm going to give you new life, and he starts doing it. And so you got to believe his life changes, right? I mean, I got to think that. I got to think that at least for a little bit. I don't know, like, was he completely saved? I don't want to get into all of that. But what I do want to say is at some point, he had a chance to follow Jesus. He had a chance to follow Jesus. And this is crazy. He betrays him. It's really scary when you think about it because it's, re- it's possible to be very close to God and yet miss God entirely. Okay, I'll say that over here a little bit. Uh, it's possible. It's possible to be close to God and yet miss him entirely. It's crazy, right? And it's a little bit, it's a little bit concerning. That's why Matthew will say, or Jesus will say in Matthew, Matthew records it, that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things in your name? And Jesus is like, no, depart from me, because I didn't, I didn't know you. This is actually Judas, because Judas was, he was involved in the miracles. He's, he's probably one of the people handing out the plates where Jesus is multiplying the fish, right? Like out of nowhere, fish it's raining fish, it's raining bread, and Judas is passing out the plates. And he's like, thinking, the, I don't know if he's thinking the whole time, like, I can't wait to betray this guy. But at some point in his mind, he, he saw that, and yet he still moved away from God. What happened to him? He was seeping. Instead of, instead of stewarding the life that Jesus was investing and doing something with it, He's letting it just slip. 
And he trades the savior of the world for 30 pieces of silver. Now, 30 pieces of silver, we're not sure exactly how much that would be worth. Probably about $100 to $400. Anywhere between $100 and $400. Not a lot of money, right? Not a lot of money. I mean, what can you buy with $100? Five family trips to McDonald's. 16 small concretes at Andy's. Not that I would know. $100 to get you th three lattes at Starbucks. Okay, maybe four. <laughs> That's crazy. How did, how did he sell the savior of the world for a few cups of coffee? There were cracks in his foundation. He was seeping. Instead of, instead of being moved by these moments, instead of being changed by the gospel, think about it. Instead of being like, this Jesus is real. There's no way I'm betraying him. He started seeping. He started compromising. I believe that's what, I think that's what happens with all of us, right? And this has been my experience in pastoral ministry. When someone's really doing great for God, but then all of a sudden they're not, it's because they start seeping. They start letting compromise in. It's a slow fade, right? It's like, it's like Abraham and Lot. Lot sets up his camp near Sodom, and then before long, he's living in it. He never lives in it until he starts moving toward it. This is what happens every time we, and I just want to encourage you, every time we let sin and selfishness go unchecked in our lives, we start seeping. We start seeping. It's really important. That's why Solomon will say in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else. Everybody say all else. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It flows from your heart. Guard your heart. It's the, it's the wellspring of life. He'll take this idea and, and kind of tease it out even further in chapter 5. He'll He's specifically talking about adultery here, but you can apply this to really any aspect of your life. He says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Should you just seep everywhere and lose the life that is inside of you? No, and he goes on to say at the end of this chapter, for your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. What Solomon is saying is, hey, y'all, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And you know what's really crazy? Do you know who didn't do that? Solomon. Solomon. He went against all of his wisdom. In fact, he doesn't guard his heart. He, he goes on this endless pursuit of pleasure, and it makes him miserable. The book of Ecclesiastes is proof of how miserable his selfishness and seepingness made him. I believe that's what's happening here with Judas. He doesn't guard his heart. At some point... At some point, and I don't know at what point it was, Judas made following Jesus more about Judas and not about Jesus. And I want to I wanna encourage you to be careful with your Christianity because that's where sin starts creeping in when you start making it about you.
You start making your life all about you, your preferences, your desires, what you're getting, what you're not. That little bit of ego, that little bit of entitlement, that little bit of bitterness, self-centeredness, jealousy, lust. Whenever that stuff starts creeping in, your life starts seeping out. That's a good little word for, for us, isn't it? When sin starts creeping in, when sin starts creeping in, your life starts seeping out. Just, just know that. It, and that's why it's not a legalism thing. It's not about like, oh, man, God's not going to like me or God's not going to love me. Listen, God loves you, period. He's already proven that. But your joy and the amount of closeness you experience can be diminished if we, if we don't guard our heart. So seeping leads to losing, but praise God, sowing leads to blessing. Sowing leads to blessing. Mary pours out this very expensive bottle of perfume. Now, there's, there's no doubt that this was probably her greatest possession. This was, this was her inheritance. This was her retirement. This was her security. And she's laying it all on the line. And she's saying, hey, I want to give Jesus everything. I'm all in. Put all the chips in the center table. It's all yours, Lord. And who experiences the most freshness? Mary. And she does it gladly. And she walks away fresh because of it. The reality for us is that if we want to experience, if we want to keep all of this freshness, the prayer, the Bible reading, the worship, we talked about that uh, last week. If we want to talk the community. If you want to keep all of this freshness that you're going to experience when you make God a priority of your life, you can't just hold on to it because you'll start seeping it. you got to sow it. you gotta, you got to give it away. You got to give it away. Look what Matthew chapter 16 says. Jesus says this, and, and we'll ask the worship team to come. Matthew chapter 16. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is being, this is being all in, y'all. This is being, I'm, I'm in this to win this. And that's always where the life is. You look at the difference between Mary and Judas, and it's you've got, you've got a consumer in Judas and a contributor with Mary. That's the difference. Let me ask you this straight up. What's your Christianity look like? Does it look like consumer or does it look like contributor? Does it look like, oh, more me, me, me? Or does it look like him, him, him? It's always more enjoyable when you're all in. If you start holding back, you'll start missing out. I'm just telling you, like, in my experience, this is, this is true, true, true. Again and again and again. The Christians that start getting just bitter. Get off my lawn. Those types, of, those types of, they stop sowing. It just becomes about them and they start seeping. You know, we, my, I took my kids, Jen and I took our boys this week to watch Steph Curry play the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know he's a part of a team, but we didn't watch the team. We came for Steph Curry. And so it was, it was a Christmas present. 
Um, and so we're like, okay, let's go watch. Let's go watch. And I, I mean, it was just amazing. I'll just be honest with you. If you never get a chance to do this, it's absolutely amazing. The dude is amazing. Draining threes like it's no big deal. It's amazing. But they probably prayed. Uh, they didn't pray. Well, maybe he prayed. They played about 60% until the end. And then they started really playing because the thunder started making a run. And so, like, then they're, like, they're going after loose balls. It was fun. And he's, he's just there. I mean, jacking them up. And one, at the end of the game, he knew it was the dagger. They start going up. They start, you know, he jacked up that three. And, you know, he walked away at the, before it went in. Have you ever seen him do that? Like, he'll shoot it and then walk away, you know. And then he makes it and he does a little shimmy. <laughs> and we were all like, yeah. We're like, that's what we came for. In fact, that's literally what I shouted. I was like, that's what I came for. We were having fun. But you know who was having way more fun? Steph Curry. (laughs) Do you know it's always more fun when you're in the game? It's always more fun. That's how life is. And that's certainly how faith is. You got to be all in saying, God, I'm all in on you. I'm not holding back because I don't want to be losing out. Galatians chapter 6 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, he will, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Yeah, we can clap for that. Come on, let's do it. He's saying this, in every way you possibly can, and every chance you get, you find an opportunity to be good to someone. You find a way to bless someone, and especially in the family of believers. That's why life groups, big deal, get in a group. Get on a life team. Serve. Pour your life out for the kingdom of God. If any of this is true, if there is a God who loves us, if there is a heaven where we're all going to, then this thing right here really matters. The body of Christ, the church, being a part of it, not being a consumer, being a contributor. Now, let me just say this. I feel like I'm literally preaching to the choir because our church is one of the most generous and bought-in and all-in churches I've ever experienced. It's amazing. You are amazing. And so if you're already in, then I just want to encourage you, keep on keeping on. But if you're not, then I want to say, get in the game because you're sitting in the stands. And you're watching all the Steph Currys hold doors and, and make coffee and make a difference. That could be you. Draining threes. All right, so when you're making coffee, I want you all to think about that. Draining threes. Because that's what it is. That's what it is, holding doors. You're not, you're not just doing a job. You're advancing the kingdom. Mary wasn't just pouring perfume out. She was preparing the Savior for the resurrection. When you're a part of the ministry here, when, you're, when you give, when you, when you pray, when you get in a group, when you serve on a team, when you go on an outreach, you are literally pushing the kingdom of God forward and pushing the kingdom of darkness back. When you do this in your relationships, husbands and wives, 
when you're less selfish and more selfless, you're pushing the kingdom of darkness back. When in your community, when you're less selfish, selfish and more selfless, you're pushing the kingdom of darkness back. That's the type of faith that is alive. That's the type of faith when you get to the end of your life. This, this life is very short. It's very short. It's been said we have one life to live. Really? We have one life to give. We have one life to invest. One life to sow. Let's do it. Amen? Both, both campuses, would you stand with me? Let's just take a moment. Let's respond to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for the, for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for calling us. Father, I pray that you would just let that spirit of sowing raise up in our hearts, Lord God, that we would be sowers and not seepers, that we would be contributors and not consumers, that, God, we would give our very, very best for you, for your glory, for your kingdom. We lay it all on the line, hold nothing back, all in for you. God, we thank you for it. We give you praise. And we worship you. And we dedicate our hearts to you. And we, so, we say, Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just take a few moments at both locations. Let's just respond to the Lord. Could you just lift your hands just all across this place at the South Campus? And just say, God, I want to live a life for you. I want to be a fully devoted follower. I want to give my my heart and my all for the glory of your name. Let's just take a few moments. Let's worship.